just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. Will breaking snow records make for a normal fire season? Not necessarily. And there are plans we should be making now. Because as fire seasons rage on, it is only getting harder to recruit wildland firefighters. Wait until you hear what the entry-level wage is. Today is Monday, May 22nd. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Jonathan Golden, you are a former wildland firefighter for the Forest Service and the Bureau of Land Management. You live right here in Parley's Canyon. And I got to say, you look pretty young to me. What made you retire from wildland firefighting? (laughs) Well, uh, thanks for having me on. You know, a lot of uh, culmination of over a decade's worth of stresses um, finally came to a head and, and Having a young family, you know, being away from friends and my family, um, losing friends that I worked with from line of duty deaths and, and, and cancers and things like that, it, it started away on me. And I decided after missing uh, my first child's first Christmas from being on a wildfire in Southern California that uh, this was not going to be uh, sustainable for myself or, or my family. And I, I decided to get out and uh, while I was, I guess, young enough to and pivot. Yeah. It almost sounds like you're talking about the military. You know, I think that there are some aspects with wildland firefighting that sound very familiar to military service. Um, there's a lot of sacrifice of just being away and, you know, you forfeit a lot of your time to public service. And in that regards, uh, yeah, so there are things that are analogous, but um, yeah. not taking anything away from, um, you know, military uh, service members. They do a tremendous amount as well. Yeah. Well, for people who aren't familiar with wildland firefighting in particular, what is the difference between wildland firefighting and, for example, like the Salt Lake City Fire Department? You know, for wildland firefighting, our focus is, uh, I want to say primarily, but not exclusively on vegetation fires. As wildland firefighters, we're typically not trained and or prepared to engage uh, structure fires or do ambulatory calls like our uh, counterparts at the structure departments are. But, you know, I would say towards the end of my career, and, um, you know, recently as well, there's a lot of mission creep as, as fires uh, start to consume more of the wildland urban interface. You know, oftentimes wildland firefighters are finding themselves in neighborhoods, backyards, so on and so forth, doing suppression activities. So the distinction is pretty clear and defined, but I would say that the environment is quickly eroding some of those responsibilities. I mean, would you say that's just because of the amount of urban sprawl in the West? 
because our cities are growing out. Yeah, that definitely has something to do with that. And, you know, the fact that wildfires are no longer um, occurring in just remote corners of the Uintas or the Wasatch for, you know, a couple of weeks, so four weeks out of the year. Yeah, the, uh, certainly the, the sprawl and the spread of, um, you know, our populations um, and then just coupled with historic drought has made just kind of everything vulnerable and available to burn. Yeah. Well, when I think of wildland firefighters, I sort of think of the kind of, you know, photos that we usually get in the summer of folks like just going up a massive hill, like putting out a rage. Like they're always really, really striking images of battling wildfire. And it just seems like absolutely grueling work. And so given that we are in a labor crisis, I have to ask, would you say that wildland firefighters in Utah currently make a living wage? No, is the short answer. Um, you know, and and that's something that is, I know, being worked on and there are efforts underway. Uh, and that's specifically at the federal level, which is, you know, my experience. Um, you know, state agencies and, and municipal departments sometimes pay a lot better than the federal land management agencies do that are responsible for wildfire suppression. And and let's face it, the cost of living everywhere is getting really expensive. And it's it's nothing unique to wildland firefighters, but it certainly is impacting wildland firefighters. Yeah. What is entry-level wage right now for a wildland firefighter? Right now, at the federal level, it is uh, now $15 an hour. And that was Oy. because of, you know, <laughs> yeah, and that was because of a, you know, a mandate from President Biden um, last year to raise that wage. But before that, it was, you know, approximately like $13.45 or something like that, which, you know, it, it kind of creates this perverse incentive to go out and, and try to accumulate as many overtime hours as possible to make the wage sustainable for the off season, which therefore, you know, kind of leads to missing out on family and friends during the summertime in significant moments. Yeah. Or putting yourself at further risk when you are already exhausted mm-hmm. physically and mentally, I have to imagine. I mean, you've worked in recruitment. How hard is it to recruit wildland firefighters? It's challenging. Um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say you try to get people, you know, hooked in on the the adventure and the camaraderie, because really that is like, mm. I think the two biggest things that kept me going for so long was one, the people I worked with and two, the places that I went to. I mean, I I got to experience and see some of the greatest people and landscapes that this country has to offer from my job. And that is a really impactful part of my life. Um, it, it is really hard to eke out a living from the job. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the season that maybe we shouldn't anticipate around here because you and I are both in the same place. So we're we're reading the same maps and the same weather reports. We're staring summer in the face here. This winter has been so unusual. By that, I mean just massively record-breaking snowy. So we're trying to figure out how it bodes for fire season. Does a super snowy, super wet winter mean that we're in good shape headed into the summer? You know, by all accounts, it, it should, right? On the face of it, though, we've been going through a pretty significant drought, which, you know, was, I think, taking a lot of the headlines uh, up until this uh past winter. And and what some of the climatologists are saying that uh, wildland firefighters rely on, that the drought category has improved by, you know, a couple of levels in the past 12 months, largely because of the winter that we had here in Utah. 
And, you know, as you look around or drive around and certainly everything is starting to green up and that's terrific. And by all accounts, that green up should last for some time, you know, into the summer. And everything is indicating that right now we might have, quote unquote, a, a normal fire season or what may have been like, you know, historically normal fire season uh, where they're forecasting no, you know, excessive heat or prolonged drought based on, uh, you know, what we have experienced over like the end of the 20th century and the beginning of the 21st century. Yeah. I don't think I've ever experienced a normal fire season in my lifetime. (laughs) You know, with how erratic the weather and climate have been, it's hard to, you know, ascertain what normal is anymore. Um, And it seems like we're just kind of going, uh, you know, year to year or season to season, if you will. Are there things that can result from a wet winter that you're keeping an eye on that might be unexpected or that might be bad news for fire season in an unexpected way? I think one thing to keep an eye on is the soil moisture being where it is, it's going to promote a lot of growth of grass and you're seeing it right now. And that green grass will continue to grow uh, as long as there's moisture available to it in the soil or in the form of precipitation. And then at some point, you know, it'll start to warm up and that grass will start to dry out and cure and it's a tremendous carrier of fire. And that's something that people, you know, should be mindful of. I mean, it, grass, you know, it's some of the most erratic and um, incredible fire behavior I've seen have been on grass fires. And and it's mm-hmm. something that um, we have to be mindful of and considerate of, as especially as we recreate outdoors now that the the weather is getting more conducive for that. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College, and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you want to learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, explore your options at slcc.edu. 
study alongside hard workers, save precious money, and be one in a class of 19, not 100. Yeah, well, monsoon season is kind of our secret fifth season in the Southwest between mid-June and September. It's when big storms bring the humidity that we all yearn for year-round and tend to bring rain, but not necessarily. What kind of monsoon season do we need this year? What kind of monsoon season could we end up with? Well, I think the monsoon season that we need would look a lot like last year where the thunderstorms and the lightning that came in were associated with significant amounts of rain or just enough wetting rain to kind of tamp down the fire danger. Last summer, in my mind, was really pleasant around here because of the lack of smoke from local fires or even from large fires that are occurring in other states. I feel like uh, we had a great summer and a, a lot of that can be attributed to the monsoon season that we had last year because of the the rain um, that came with it. And, you know, again, you know, referencing some of the, the climate prediction <clears throat> models that firefighters look to, you know, it, it's it indicates that they just kind of don't know quite yet how things are going to set up over the four corners for that that monsoonal flow to really impact us. I mean, I think we're, we're hopeful that we have another season like last year, but you know, it's not without the normal to expect that, you know, some of these monsoons might come in drier and you have more dry lightning events that can uh, spark those, those grass fires that we were just talking about a little bit earlier. I've never even heard of dry lightning before this conversation, <laughs> but it sounds to, like now I'm afraid of it. Now, now I'm worried about dry lightning. Like, like I don't get an Apple notification for dry lightning. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's just one of those things where the, the moisture is so insignificant that it, it may evaporate before it actually hits the ground. So, you know, you see it wow. all the time, the, uh, what's called a Virga that is underneath the thunder cells where it looks like rain and, and, and it looks like it's coming down and it may not actually ever reach the ground because it, it, it evaporates. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a phenomenon that, uh, occurs, um, dry lightning. Those are things that, um, you know, fire management officers and, and duty officers and wildland firefighters and structure firefighters too are keeping their eye out for because it's something that impacts, uh, you know, our livelihoods and, and our way of life out here in the West. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that you remember last summer being pretty pleasant around here because wasn't it last summer that Parley's Canyon? Wasn't the Parley's Canyon fire last summer? It was the summer before and that was a pretty, that was, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm right in proximity to that and that was a, uh, pretty close to home. And, you know, I think it actually took a monsoonal storm that put that fire out. So yeah, no, I, I definitely remember that. I mean, that was the last fire where I remember feeling really sort of scared being, you know, I live right downtown and it felt close when we, when we think about, to your point about like where there's a little bit of mission creep and wildland firefighters are starting to fight fires in people's backyards. Like that Parley's fire two years ago felt like it was it was coming close to downtown Salt Lake, basically. Like, um, but I want to talk about some things that we can do to make firefighters' jobs easier, because as we've discussed, it's grueling. So, what are some of the sort of like count on one hand 
kind of things we could all be doing to protect each other and our homes ahead of fire season? I think this time of year, it's always a good time to kind of take stock of like important documents that you have in your house, you know, that, you know, on the offhand that you need to evacuate. Those documents are, are, are prized possessions, pictures, photos, things like that, and kind of having them in a place where, you know, if you got the notice from community officials that said, hey, there's a wildfire in the area and you need to you know, be ready, set, and then go. Uh, Those are the three things that they like to advise people um, that you've got a head start rather, like you're ready. And then, um, you know, getting set, like where would you go if you needed to go somewhere, uh, you or your family or your pets or friends or whatever, you know, make a plan now, like take a moment now, like while it's calm, it's wet and, and rainy out to to have those things kind of lined out and then when it's time to go i would really strongly suggest that you go it makes mm. everybody's job a little bit easier when they're responding to a wildfire if they know that they're not having to stop and account for the possibility of people being in the area because we will stop what we're doing in order to find you know people or animals even um lead them to safety in, done it before in a backcountry setting and it, 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 it can be very stressful and it can be just as stressful um, in, an, in an urban setting where there's a lot of houses and structures that people may be hiding in or are just residing in necessarily. Um, so I think listening and being in tune with what, um, you know, official channels from local and state government are saying about ready, set, go. If you uh, rent or uh, own a home that has a yard, making sure that you have enough defensible space around your yard. You don't have wood piles or, or things like that that are just stacked up right against the house and that you've got a nice clear area that you know can give firefighters in general a, a fair shot at trying to save and defend your home should it come down to that. How much defensible space are we talking? I think ideally the standard is like having a 30 foot zone of exclusion for like trees um, from your house or, you know, even like, you know, three to four feet around like your foundation, making sure that that's kind of void and clear of like non-combustible material, checking your gutters, you know, from last fall, early last Mm. winter, making sure that there's no leaves or you know organic material in there that's accumulated that might be receptive to a spark landing on there. Um, you know, it, it's it's silly to to say, but it really only takes one spark. And and some of these significant fires, you can have embers being transported up in the atmosphere. You know, up to a mile ahead of the main fire. And so, yeah, it's really important that you. You know, you take the time now while it's cool, it's wet to make a plan and make sure like your home is set and your personal orders are set. Yeah. I feel like this is the time of year when we start to get a lot of guidance from state agencies about campfires. For years now, we've seen really destructive fires in southern Utah that were just caused by people not properly drowning a campfire. And at the same time, a campfire is one of life's greatest pleasures. <laughs> like, and so for the past few years, we've seen fire danger so high in some of our, like ad, I would call them adventure zones in Utah that campfires have been a no-go. 
I have to ask you for my own personal, my own personal sake, do you think that we'll have campfires this summer since it's been such a wet winter? <laughs> well, um, you know, I please say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that you are probably safe to have campfires now, you know, hmm. but as as we, you know, get out of May and through June and into July, when it starts to get um, hotter and drier out, um, I would definitely expect and even potentially anticipate that there might be restrictions that are put in place. And really the best source for that information is the Forest Service or Bureau of Land Management websites or local district office for federal lands. And then state state offices, you know, they usually work really well with the with the federal offices and are in kind of sync with one another. So I would look to those three entities, but, you know, and I, I think a lot of it is just common sense too. Like you said, you know, make sure your fire is drowned and out and cold to the touch. Don't, don't walk away from it. And, yeah. and yeah, if it's been hot and dry for a, a spell, you might want to check in before you go on that next uh, camping trip in the adventure zones um, <laughs> to make sure that you're okay to have a fire. Yeah. It feels like file under recreate responsibly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Jonathan Golden, former wildland firefighter. Thank you so much for your time and expertise. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate it too. Last summer, Forest Service Chief Randy Moore told the Senate Appropriations Committee that when it came to wildland firefighters, the service was short-staffed by as much as 50% in some regions. If you are interested in the advocacy of wildland firefighters for better pay and safekeeping, you can learn more at grassrootswildlandfirefighters.com. One last bit of local news here. When the Utah legislature convened for a special session last week, one thing they had to do was fix a rather embarrassing legal glitch related to firefighter retirement. A 2018 law accidentally reduced compensation paid to families of fallen firefighters if they didn't die in the line of duty, which means you could serve 20 years firefighting and your family could only receive half the value of your life insurance policy in the event of your death. Salt Lake Fire Captain Matthew Hamilton's widow, Monica, was there to advocate for the correction. Her husband's recent death resulted in exactly that issue. While they were on the Hill, lawmakers also tapped into our Wildfire Suppression Fund to find money for flood control. They only took out $10 million, which isn't much given the wildfire account tops $100 million, and even big fire seasons only cost the state about $25 million. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye.